sense I need some explanations fast I see my present partner In the imperfect tense And I don't see how we can last I feel I need a change of cast Maybe I'm on nobody's side When he gives me reasons To justify each move They're getting harder to believe I know this can't continue I've still a lot to prove There must be more I could achieve But I don't have the nerve to leave Everybody's playing the game But nobody's rules are the same Nobody's on nobody's side Better learn to go it alone Recognize your own Welcome to a special interview episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, there are two people that my mother absolutely loves. I'm just not 100% sure which one she loves more. I will be in conversation with the great Jessica Vosk. Jess is currently getting ready to star in the Muni's upcoming production of Chess. She will be playing Florence Vassy opposite Jared Spector as Freddie Trumper, John Riddle as Anatoly Sergayevsky, Rodney Hicks as Walter DeCourcy, Tally Sessions as Alexander Molikoff, Philip Johnson Richardson as The Arbiter, and St. Louis native Taylor Louderman as Svetlana Sergayevsky. The show is currently scheduled to run July 5th through the 11th. I will be in St. Louis on Thursday to see the show, and I could not be more excited. The music that you heard opening this episode was, in fact, Jessica Vosk singing Nobody's Side from Chess. That actually came from her first solo album, Wild and Free, that was released in 2018, produced by our friend Robbie Rizel. And at the end of the episode, I will have a little bit of audio from rehearsals from the Muni, so you can check that out at the end. But throughout our conversation, Jess and I talk about the rigors of doing a show that is as vocally challenging as Chess outside in the St. Louis heat during the summer. We talk about how rich, complex, and strategic the score of Chess is and what an absolute joy it is for Jessica to sing it and to dive into such a rich part like Florence. She also breaks down a little bit of who she thinks among the principal cast would be the best Chess player, what shows she might want to do or direct at the Muni sometime in the future, and much more. Of course, in the show notes, we will have information on where you can purchase tickets to see Chess at the Muni in St. Louis just through next Tuesday, July 11th. But with all of that now out of the way, here is my conversation with Jessica Vosk. All right, Jessica, I have to start with one question that I is. It's a personal question. It's something that's very important to me and probably also equally important to my mother. Okay. Are you getting enough to drink? Are you staying hydrated? Are you getting enough electrolytes? Because I know it is hot as Hades out there in St. Louis right now. I got to tell you, one thing that you learn fast out here in St. Louis is is the H word, hydrate. And the amount of water that I'm drinking that is both with electrolytes, without electrolytes, with love, with sunshine is, I don't even understand how I'm drinking so much water, but I'm also, I feel like today especially was a very hot day and we had a, we had a big run through today. And I think I, the amount that I sweat is slightly illegal. 
It feels illegal. Um, if, if it's not, it should. So it actually should be very illegal because I feel as though, like, who am I after I sweat that much? I feel like I sweat out all of my bad decisions in my 20s. That's what I feel like. <laughs> well, I don't know how much sweat you need to get all of them out, but congratulations to you for that. Thank um, you. Thank you. On a serious note, though, like, are you having any issues with, like, the smoke coming down from Canada? Like, are, are you having to deal with, like, the bad air quality as well? You know what? It, yeah, interesting you bring that up. We, I want to say a day or two ago, we had the uh, that, that smoky haze. And for those people who are in New York, I also happened to be there when this happened in New York, which was tremendously worse. And it sort of, it was actually very reminiscent of an apocalypse movie where mm -hmm. everything is covered in ash and dust and it's everything's orange. And that's what it was like for a good a solid two days in, in Manhattan and the surrounding areas. So once that cleared out, it was sort of like, Oh my God, thank God. Cause we had to wear masks everywhere. And the luxury was that, you know, we could go inside. Thank goodness mm -hmm. here. You know, it certainly was not nearly as bad, but the smoke smell was here. There was a little bit of haze happening. And it was for about, I want to say like a day or maybe three quarters of the day. But, you know, we're outside working for most of that time. So it was it was a little tricky. But the best thing about the people here, at least the those folks who run the Muni, is that, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, if you want to go inside, if you want to work from home, if you want to you know, it, whatever makes you feel most comfortable, they're very good about that. So thank goodness it only lasted for a, a little while, but it's pretty crazy right now. I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. And I imagine, I mean, for any singer, but especially doing a show that is such a heavy sing like chess is like all of those things have to go into the calculus of what you can do, what you have to rehearse, what you have to think about protecting your body and your vocal cords. Like I'm sure that just doing a show out in front of 11,000 people in 95 degree heat is one thing, but you start to throw in smoke and all of the sweating and all that stuff. Like I'm sure that can be a little complicated when trying to put all the pieces together. I mean, it really is the, the, the piece, the chest of it all is <laughs> it's pretty monumental. It's this opera, it's this rock opera. And I can't say that I was 100% familiar with the entire piece. Of course, I know, you know, little puzzle pieces of the show because the songs have been so popular since mm -hmm. the show was written. And of course, it's ABBA and we all love ABBA. And they gave me one of my big breaks when I left the, the finance world. So I love them so much. And this is a piece that I've always wanted to do. But, you know, the pacing of it, the fact that it's... uh it's a big thing, but it's also an all over the map thing. It's not just belting. There's a lot of passaggio and soprano, and then there's all of this really low alto stuff. So I'm all over the board and the the key to it and, and the, the gentlemen who are playing Freddie and Anatoly are all over mm -hmm. the board as well. So the three of us are kind of, we always check in with each other, like don't push today. And, you know, it can get your adrenaline can take over because it's so exciting to put something together in such a huge way as this and chess doesn't get done often. So we're really, we're really making a lot of magic here to make the show work. And, and for me, it's, it is all about the pacing of it and remembering that the show is a marathon and it really is an opera and it just happens to be written by ABBA, but we have to treat it, <laughs> you know, as such. 
if that well, makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. Totally. Because I think when people think of ABBA, they think of the songs that they know either from, you know, their their pop stardom or even from the Mamma Mia side of it, if you're a musical oh, yeah. theater person. But like, this is a completely different type of thing. There are obviously strains of DNA that connect to all of those things. But like you said, the the score runs the gamut of vocal styles. And I mean, a lot of them are sung by Florence. You're doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Obviously, that's a different thing than if you're doing, you know, Wicked or whatever, where there's a, you know, a, a little bit of variation. But as you go into this, like, do you have to prep yourself vocally either beforehand or on a daily basis to do a rehearsal or a show differently than you would do if you were doing just a traditional musical theater piece? You know, it's, it's interesting. I feel like, I feel like the show kind of does that for me. I'm, I'm a very, you know, you know, we've spoken before. I'm a, I'm a very crazy vocal health nut. So in the way of trying to make sure that I have all the bits and pieces, like my upper range and lower, you know, equaling having a mid range throughout the show is, is really important to do. But the cool thing about it is that the, the material that happens early on in the show for me is a nice passaggio, you know, upper soprano type warm up that gets me like directly into nobody's side. And then I'm just like in the galaxy of belting for a good couple of songs. But you're, but you're absolutely correct in that, you know, I do have warm ups that I really rely on to make sure that I'm stretching my range where it's supposed to go so that I don't overdo it when that excitement hits and you go, oh, wait, this isn't just a one night concert, it's eight shows. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you have to remember that is is difficult enough because as performers, we get so excited to bring ourselves to the table. But, you know, the sing, it's also so much fun for me. I have not gotten to really dig into a role that that is this meaty before, both acting and singing wise in in a while. And to have, you know, a fugue that I get to sing, you know, in in a quartet style on top of belting nobody's side on top of doing the mountain duet, which is also, you know, very classically driven, but mixed as well. It's this very strategic thing, which, which also, you know, I'm such a nerd. I'm like, well, well, that's, you know, obviously they being Benny and Bjorn are such geniuses to write such a strategic score because chess is so strategic. And it's this, Mm. you know, you hear the themes of music from beginning to end and they all resurface somewhere and there's a reason for that and and musically you know for such a such a music head and such a music freak like me who loves this kind of stuff it is it's a breath of fresh air to get to do this every day it's been it's been a real surprise i'm very surprised at how much i'm loving it that's awesome. So, okay, this might be a question that you said you didn't come in necessarily knowing everything about the show. So this might not even be a question that you know unless you can look at your script or something. Do you know which version of this show you're doing? Because there are so many different iterations of chess that have happened over the decades. Yeah, so I would say that there's a heavy lean on the on the British, on the London version of this. Um, okay. But, but our fearless director, Josh Rhodes, has has really done some finessing, cutting and pasting, um, and taking things, spotlighting them, you know, other things that don't need as much of a spotlight. He he is is moving around to make other things make sense. The the two, m- myself and John Riddle, who are basically, you know, the two who fall in love in this piece, mm-hmm. the other day we looked at each other, we're like, oh my God, this makes sense. 
Um, <laughs> Which is not something that people have always said about chess. Exactly. I think that's why I think that's why there's a big question mark over chess a lot because there's a million different versions. There's, you know, a reason that it gets done in concert so often because, you know, wh- why tell the story when the songs work so well? And, you know, I'm I'm just amazed at the fact that Josh has been able to make this thing make sense. And so that's, but I would say that the the, the bones of it are, are the London version. That's good. Cause we, I mean, even in the last couple of years in the States, we've seen a couple different versions of it uh, in concerts and stuff. So that's, that's interesting to know. And I don't know that I necessarily know all of the intricate details of what the differences are, but uh, that's exciting to know where this is coming from. You, you mentioned your castmates, John Riddle playing uh, Anatoly, and you've got Jared Spector playing Freddie, and Svetlana is being played by St. Louis native Taylor Louderman. This is a show that takes a lot of different, uh, like we said, types of vocal styles, but it seems like this group all has a little bit of experience doing lots of different things. As you guys have gotten together in St. Louis to go through this rehearsals, are you finding out things about either yourselves or each other that maybe you didn't realize having either done a show with them or done a concert with them or heard them, you know, in something else or done a workshop or something. Are you, are you learning things about your castmates that you didn't know that they could do? You know what? It's amazing because the four of us have run in the same circles and we know each other from either seeing each other in shows or getting a chance to, to cross paths with each other, but we've never actually done a show together. And, you know, Part of, part of coming into an experience of doing something so fast and furious is that at least I can only speak for myself and say that before I came out here, I was like, oh man, this is going to be so fast. Oh my God, it's chess. What am I thinking? And then the amount, I, I cannot express to you how much I love singing with these people. And they are all top of their game singers. They're all top of their game actors and and this is a meaty piece if you want to play it to make sense. And <laughs> I think the reason that we are so tired and the reason that we the, the reason that we are working so t- tirelessly is because we are hoping to connect the dots for people, but also I'm just I'm so surprised John Riddle and I like sat down in rehearsal the very first day that we met. We've never been in a room together or worked together. I've only, you know, seen him perform and mm-hmm. and think he's just he's just delicious and we sang together and it was like oh my god we were meant to do this together and you know same thing with Jared he's such a, a fantastic tenor pop you know we all know his jersey boys sound his sound from beautiful taylor and i get to do we really only get to do one duet together but it's i know him so well and yeah. you know obviously people know that song so well so it's we got to do that together yesterday and it was such a it's it's such a blast to get to share space with people who are so um so who are so high level i mean you think to yourself about all of the people who've passed through the muni yeah and and all and they're all of the reasons why you want to work here and this is a perfect example of that it's it's like i would never have met and gotten to do this probably with with this cast um ever you know, with the amount chess gets done. Is that one of the reasons that so many Broadway favorites continue to go to the Muni? Obviously, 
working is always fun and doing shows, like you said, that maybe you wouldn't get to do otherwise is is always something that a lot of people look for in their careers. But the amount of talent that gets accumulated in the course of a summer at the Muni is seems like. I mean, it's such a rare thing for a one week run that's outside of New York. Maybe if it's an encores thing, you get that. But like to have such a quick and dirty process like you go through at the Muni to be able to do a show like this with that talent and not just the ones you mentioned, but also like like um, uh, Tally Sessions and and Rodney Hicks as well. Like it's just it really is like a cornucopia of top flight Broadway talent. Yeah. And, you know, that's another Rodney is somebody who I had never worked with before and you know you hear people's names in circles obviously and you know who they are and and now you're like I I have to work with him again I mean it's Mm -hmm. it's such an embarrassment of riches and when and when you know that people like Vicky Clark who just won a Tony you know you know obviously you know hopefully will come back and direct at some point and and has been there before as an actor and you think about all of these people who are dying to come work at the Muni and I think it, yes, it is quick and dirty. It keeps our brains agile, and uh, you know, of course, we complain about the heat because I'm I'm from New Jersey. I'm Italian. I'm gonna. <laughs> of course, I complain about the heat. But yeah. I um I think it's a testament though to the fact that Mike Isaacson, who runs the Muni and who is a massive Broadway producer and who took the Muni and really reengaged the entire community of St. Louis, along with all of the connections that he's had as far as you know, behind the table, creative teams, you know, uh, producers, you know, in colleagues of his to come on board has, has also brought the talent from New York who wants to come work here because of the way that he has structured this place. And it's not your usual situation. I mean, if you see how the sets are made and how the backstage is run and how everything is is so a level from top to bottom. And I think it's a testament to him running it this way and to know how many shows he has produced on Broadway and continues to produce on Broadway. And he still does this every summer. It kind of blows my mind, but it does. That's why, that's why everybody keeps saying yes. You know, the work is fantastic. You're, you're paired up with these directors and choreographers and co-stars who are, who anyone would be lucky and grateful to get to work with. That's really how I feel. It's sort of, it has surprised me. My first season was last year doing Joseph and the Amazing mm-hmm. Technicolor Dreamcoat here. And so getting to come back this season to do a dream show of mine is is very pinch me, but also color me surprised that I'm loving it as much as I am. It's not chess. Hello. <laughs> I'm loving it. You know, I'm beyond loving it. So if you could maybe next summer or another summer when you're available, if you could pick a show that you would want to do and maybe even pick some co-stars if you want, what would be an ideal Muni show for you? Oh gosh. I mean, you know, it's going to be hard to beat this one for me. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm so in love with, with this character in chess. Um, so gosh, whoa, man, what a great question. Um, oh, Matt. I don't know. You can pass know. if you don't have anything. You can pass. That's you, fine. I, I, I won't hold it against you, but No, I mean like listen, I mean there's always there there's always that one day maybe seasons down the line where I would love to do um you know once once it's up once I'm up there and where I'm supposed to be I would love to do Gypsy. 
as Mama mm-hmm. Rose. I would love the chance, you know, to to do a funny girl, you know, a sassy funny girl version, maybe revamped in a in a cool way. Um, I would love to. I would love to. God, I would bring. I I'd bring this cast out for friggin' anything. They're incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I, I'm also, I would kill to do it. Obviously the Muni is, is just known for their huge monumental versions of things. I would love to come and direct something someday here. Mm. It's a very, it's a very cool process, but I would, I would love to kind of get my, sink my teeth into something like that. Once I've, once I feel I've got enough under my belt as an actor. Do you have a, have you, have you ever thought about a specific show in mind you'd like to direct at some point? Um, you know, I I would love to take a crack at a comedy like Spelling Bee Ooh. because I think that would just be tons of fun. And the audiences out here are incredibly smart. And there's a, a, up to 11,000 people every single night. <laughs> I mean, that's what also just kills me about it. And they're all they're all lovers of this art form and this craft. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought you know, they're doing Beauty and the Beast right now, which is exquisite and epic and massive. And there's fireworks and pyro. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to have pyro for chess. Um, <laughs> because because now I'm like, oh, my gosh. And now for something completely different, you know, chess chess is serious and and takes you to this fundamental level of what it is to have to choose happiness over success and what your version of that is. And it's a mind game. And that's exactly what chess is. And so is love. and. I can't wait for audiences to see it because I think it'll, it'll twist them up a little bit. And by the way, like St. Louis happens to be the capital of chess, like the, yeah. the chess capital. Like I did not know this. And there's a huge hall of fame here, a huge chess hall of fame. I would have been fine playing checkers like that, that I know how to play. <laughs> chess is a very, very smart. Um, so I think the community is kind of excited. But if I ever do get the chance to come back one day, I would love to direct something super comedic. Spamalotti, you know, yeah. um, spelling B-E, something something along those lines. Okay. Mike Isaacson, we're putting that out into the universe, so pay attention and listen. Yeah, that's yep, good. Yeah, Mike knows, Mike. <laughs> um, speaking of the, 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 like, the not musical but actual game chess, I, I will admit the only times I've played chess in the last maybe two decades was against my eight-year-old nephew, and somehow he beat me. But Of course he did, because the kids... The kids know. They know everything. They know everything. It's a, it's absurd and a little bit insulting. But yeah, you you, John, Jared, Taylor, who wins in an actual like chess tournament? Not that I assume you guys have actually played, but just looking at the skill sets of the four of you, who do you think comes out on top, and why do I assume it's going to be you? I mean, listen, I I'm a strategy girl. Mm-hmm. What you need to know is that we all or the the three of us mostly. Jared and John have to play real chess games in in this production. So they're they're really mimicking the the match from the 80s that happened between Bobby Fischer and Boris. That they they're mimicking that exact match because oh, on cool. stage, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but like it's filmed. There's there's a camera on stage. So you're watching this match happen. So they're really playing chess up there. They're not just like, let me move a pawn over here and let hmm and then check. I mean, it's a real, real game. So Jared is Jared's very good at this point. He would he would kill all of us. But to watch them have to do that. And then uh, you know, as Jared's, you know, right-hand woman in the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, I I have to 
you know, be able to play some chess as well. So it's a very, I, I was talking to Martha Plimpton, shout out Martha, ha, how are you girl? Always. And I said to her, um, I said, you know, she was trying to get in touch with me about something. And I said, I'm, I promise I will get back to you. I'm, I'm knee deep in the midst of learning chess. And she said, well, the score or the, or the game. And I said, what if I said both? And she wrote back in all caps, impossible. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's hard. It's hard. But like you said, there's this, I don't know if it happened during COVID. I don't know if this was a, a little pandemic move, but a lot of the young kids are embracing chess right now. And it's a thing. Like it's a big thing amongst the, the, the Gen Z community. And so they're extremely smart. We have a, we have a young assistant working with us, working with our director who, who is basically a master of chess, who's been teaching all of us what to do. And so on top of learning a show, you're also sort of learning about chess, which seems impossible, but it's really happening. But I think Jared would win. He would probably win. He's kind of, he's a sneak attacker. Okay. All right. I I don't know how, like, in the short amount of time that you have to learn a show of this magnitude that you are able to process any other information beyond uh, the words that are on the page. So that is very impressive. Um, just a couple more quick questions before I let yeah. you go. First off, how how is Fred dealing with St. Louis? I'll tell you something. So for anybody who's listening, Fred happens to be my son. Um, I basically <laughs> birthed him. He's my dog. And he uh, he and I drove out here. So I took a two-day you know trip. I had I finished Broadway Bears. And then the next morning I drove out to St. Louis and he hates the heat. I have to tell you, I'm not like, this is no offense to the St. Louis folks, but Fred is not a fan of the heat. At any chance he gets, he will pull me into the shade and he will try and walk into any business, including Lululemon to find water. And he also, you know, thank goodness I have him. I didn't have him last year that I was here and, and I love having him here, but I will say I'm in this fantastic hotel which is right near the theater and what i have learned about fred is that he has to say hello to everybody that he encounters and i mean everybody matt so our our i have to i have to kind of carve out an extra 10 15 minutes into each walk so that he can walk up to everybody who's sitting in a chair at the hotel or who's standing outside on the street for fred to check in and basically ask them how they're doing. So I think he's thriving here. As long as it doesn't get too hot. As long as it doesn't get too hot. As long as he has air conditioning to come back to and a couple of toys and maybe a treat. But everybody seems to love him. And he, I mean, he really walks up to people like I like I don't love him or something. Like I've never seen him in my life. And he's like, please love me. My mom doesn't. So that's that's what I've been given on, on this trip. But I'll take it because he's such a cutie patoot. So wrapping up here, Chess is this show that has so many decades of of lovers of the score specifically, but so many things that I think because it doesn't get done so much, like I don't think people really understand what this show is actually about. And I think you explained it really well earlier about talking about the push and pull of being happy and having success and whether that's in your career or in something else. And as you were describing it, it it seemed to me that like, even though this is about not only chess, but spycraft and the cold war and all of those things, like it did feel like something that would make sense 
for performers and for actors where you do have to kind of balance the the personal life and the professional life. And sometimes those things don't go hand in hand. As you've been working on this, have you started to realize that maybe there's there's more to this show than just you know, someone else's side or, uh, mm. or someone else's story and all of these songs, one night in Bangkok and all those things that, that really resonated with you than, than maybe you realized going in before you got the script. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's so much more complex than I thought. I mean, any of us can say that we know the score very well and we love the music and we love ABBA. And that's why, you know, everybody wants to mount some kind of version of this because it's so great to sing. But I didn't realize how how connected I would feel to somebody who has 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 lived a life, and this woman is in her thirties, and she finds herself in a in a position where you know she happens to be traveling the world with a really successful chess player. You could say a really successful insert thing here person if 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 you're likening this to real life. And you know what what you find out is that the decisions that we make lead us on certain paths that we might not have normally chosen for ourselves, but these things just happen to be that way. And so this woman finds herself in a situation that she's just not happy in anymore. And another situation uh, presents itself. And she, like all of us, have a lot to question when when those things happen. And it, it makes me think about the fact that I question stuff all the time. And in a business where, you know, we're so focused on getting in the room and making sure we do the right thing and what's next. And there's only so much strategy that can go into that. And I think, you know, for, for somebody who, and I'm sure many people who are listening have binged the queen's gambit and have seen how dramatic chess is. And of course it's a, you know, it's a drama and it's not based in truth, but it somewhat is. I mean, as, as this story is too, it's loosely based on a, on a tournament the Cold War specifics do go into this as well, but you realize that people who have chosen this as a massive career, it is it is extremely serious and strategic. And chess players are are quiet and they're they they are very inward beings who who have to rely on different moves to get them where they want to go. And that might mean that they have to sacrifice something to get there. And that's usually what the game of chess is. It's I'm going to move this, but I have to sacrifice my queen. Or I have to move this, but my pawn is now, you know, elsewhere. And that's really what we do in our lives. And and I, I think that's a pretty amazing thing. I don't think it's bad or good. I just think that once you sit back and realize that you're not just watching a chess game happen, you're also watching life imitating a chess game. And... I think that's why we have been working so hard at, on such a huge piece. I mean, it's it's not easy to put something this complex up in a couple weeks. And uh, it's a testament to to everybody involved who has this memorized already. And, and we just went through act one today. It was our very first day of running the first act. And it's it's extremely full of depth and people wind up crying at the end of songs and scenes and... These are things that I didn't expect to have happen. So this is, I feel like a very lucky, you know, color me surprised type actor right now. That's great. Uh, well, one more thing, because you mentioned it again, and I, I meant to follow Please. up earlier, but you talked about the fact that like, 
ABBA like gave you kind of your start. I mean, like one of your first jobs when you left the world of finance was, I think it was the the concert of Christina at Carnegie Hall, right? It is that was. Uh, yeah? Is that the that's the tell us about that connection and and how that all happened and how you've kind of yeah. had 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 uh, Benny and Bjorn behind your sales for for quite a while now. Yeah, you know, again, because you just never know where life's going to take you. I. I had the immense luck of of having Paul Gemignani give me a call. You know, for those of you, obviously, many of you would know who Paul Gemignani is, but for those who don't, he is Sondheim's. What you know was Sondheim's musical director, basically for his entire career and then some. And he's just one of the most well known musical directors, and and gave me the chance to do this ABBA piece called Christina, which is which is another orchestral, um, very very classically driven piece and we I, I i walked into the room one day and i was really ready to sing soprano in the ensemble and they walked up to me and they said you're actually going to do this this role and i said no 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 i i actually i'm just the ensemble and they said not no you're not not anymore <laughs> so I, I always call it you know they threw me in the deep end with no swimmies and it was one of my first if not the first big gig that i ever had and i I still have a picture, you know, back in the day when we used to have to post and upload Facebook photos because we didn't yeah. have smartphones, but, um, but I have this photo of myself singing in front of Benny and Bjorn and just thinking to myself, I, I have, I have loved the, their music for such a long time. And they're such geniuses of being able to make something have a through line musically. And it's no mistake that they've risen to the heights that they have and i had the opportunity to do this piece with a i think it was a almost an 80 piece orchestra both wow. at carnegie hall and then at royal albert hall in london with benny and bjorn and this amazing cast and and on our final you know performance in london we had a party in elton john's piano room like you do and <laughs> benny sat down at the piano and he started playing the winner takes it all and i just i sang it with him because i was like okay jess you, you have to take this chance and so I think I still even have a little clip of myself singing that with him because it it just, it was a moment in my life where I had no idea where I was really going yet with this career or what I would be doing or again, risks that I would take. And, and that was one of the big risks that I did take. And it was, it was so spectacular. I, I've actually been thinking of shooting Benny an email just to say, how full circle that I get to sing another score of yours. That's that's awesome. That's so exquisite in every single way. Please come out here from Sweden. You know, that's, that's really my pitch, but, um, but it's very cool. It's, it's, I don't, what's my life. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, heck, I mean, either going out there in a few years, a, a decade or so and playing Donna or maybe even directing Mamma Mia out there. Like I think, oh, I, I think fun. that might work. That might work. Well, Jess, I am uh, thrilled for you to have this opportunity, and I'm going to be there next week. So I'm going to to oh be God, in St. Louis. Me. My aunt lives. My aunt's a professor at, at St. Louis University, so I always go out yes. uh, once a summer. And it, way before the casting was announced, I was like, "Well, I can ne almost never see chess. So like, if I'm going to go out for the summer, I'm going to see chess." And then when the cast was announced, I was like, "Okay, that's." definitely got to be the show to see. So I'm excited about oh, that. I'm, I'm so happy glad. for you. Stay hydrated. Get, take the Gatorade. Eat the bananas. I will. All of those things. And uh, make sure you don't neglect your son because uh, he, he needs I all know. the love and possible. You tell your mother. 
Tell your mother hello for me. I will absolutely do that. That's going to be her new <laughs> ringtone right there. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah.